0: Welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure, where every JoJo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. (inaudible) This is episode 11, and we're reviewing part two Battle Tendency The Game Master. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened previously in JoJo, so you've been warned. I'm really happy with this episode because we got the op bloody stream and we'll talk about that in a little bit but man there's there's few songs um or few ops in this world that get me as hype as bloody stream
1: <laughs> i'm just thinking of there's a youtube video where it takes this op um and you know it has a very distinct intro with i guess the trumpets but it's a video where it takes that and it just it's a never-ending loop of oh, those yeah. trumpets. Now, every, time, every time I hear this OP come on, I'm always kind of triggered by those trumpets. And there are other versions of this song um, that are kind of like memeable. Um, there's one where it takes the Space Jam and it mashes it up with Bloody Stream. And it works pretty well. I know you hate it. But... <laughs> I don't hate it. I think it's just
0: it 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 could be better and also i re- i remember that video you're talking about where they just infinitely loop the trumpets in the beginning because you tricked me by showing it to me you're <laughs> like oh watch this cool video about bloody stream i'm like okay and i'm sitting there i'm like what are they going get- to <laughs> for it fool <laughs> When are they going to get past the damn trumpets and they never did i'm like wait a minute what the fuck
1: yeah besides well besides like all the memes that have come out of this so yeah i agree with you it, it's it's definitely a banger and of course it's on my anime spotify playlist and on my jojo spotify playlist
0: yeah you've got an entire playlist just dedicated to jojo songs mm-hmm. which is fine by me i'm I'm all for it <laughs> but before we get into it i wanted to mention a couple things we wanted to mention a couple of things some some updates that we have on our end um, the first one being a guest appearance that we recently had on otaku melancholy podcast
1: yeah, as of the release of this episode um the otaku melancholy podcast episode that we were featured on will have been out for about a week and we joined it came out on april 6th by yes way. april 6th and we joined matt and brad of that podcast to talk about an anime that is wholly opposite of the epic that is jojo's bizarre adventure <laughs> and that anime is my sister my Rider, and holy shit that was a ride just getting through that series.
0: Yeah, we we talk about the the good, the bad, and the very, very, very ugly animation of mm-hmm. My Sister, My Writer, and it's a ciscon. So of course, there's a, a lot of interesting conversation that happens. Um, I think interesting is
1: too euphemistic.
0: You know, we flat out roast the shit out of this terrible (laughs) SISCON anime with horrible animation. Um, But it's a great conversation. So um, if you haven't yet, definitely check out that episode against the My Sister, My Rider, and a misery episode of Otaku Melancholy Podcast. And the second update that we want to share um, is more of a reminder. If you um, have seen it or haven't seen it, we have a... Part six announcement episode that we um, we posted on April eighth, mm-hmm. and so that is dedicated to everything that happened at the Joe Star the Inherited of, the Inherited Soul event. Sorry, it's a really long. Animation title. special event. <laughs> it's the Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, the animation special event. Joe Star the Inherited Soul. Event that took place (laughs) on April 4th. We talk all about that event because we watched it live at 2 30 a.m. our time. And um, we also talk about the part six announcement that took place at the end of the event, how hype we are for it, and what our wish list is for part six.
1: Yeah, obviously, we won't delve into any spoilers of what was announced at the event in terms of part six, but definitely give that a listen. Uh, again, it was a really exciting event to watch, even at 2.30 in the morning. Um, we lost a lot of sleep just <laughs> dedicating ourselves to watching it. But yeah, it was it was a great time um, for us as JoJo fans. And I guess like right now, it's it's just overall a great time to be a JoJo fan.
0: Hell yeah. So yeah, definitely go check out that special episode of Strictly JoJo. And now on to the main event, Battle Tendency, the Game Master. Um, so this episode is a lot of fun, uh, and it kind of has two main arcs to it, I feel. It's the, Mm -hmm. the Joseph versus Streso fight, and then it has, um, it introduces us to Stroheim and kind of reveals the, the situation with the Pillar Man.
1: Yeah, this episode was more of like a setup, um, a setup episode that showcases a little bit more of Joseph's Hamon prowess and establishes more of the overarching conflict in Part Two, related to that mysterious, uh, mysterious carving that we saw in the first episode of Part Two, which was the previous episode. But let's go ahead and dive right into Part Two, Episode Two: The Game Master. Despite Joseph's best efforts to turn so into hot lead vampire stroganoff the Hamon anti-hero recovers using his undead powers and shoots at Josephu with his Death Star laser eyes, the same attack that Dio used on Jonathan in their demise. However, Josephu is able to one-up Streitzo by making him attack a mirror instead, and detonates a flurry of grenades he was somehow able to stick to Straitso's Hamon-infused scarf to blow him to bits. But of course, this is again all for naught as Straitso reassembles his gourd body parts Prompting Josephu to use the final ace up his sleeve. The two face off again atop the Brooklyn Bridge, where Straitso holds a female reporter hostage and eggs Josephu on to t- use his natural noble instincts to save her. Our Hamon hero obliges, and after avoiding another round of Death Star laser eyes with some cute little Hamon shot glasses, Josephu melts half of Straitso's face off with his fiery fist. Storicho decides to end hero and disintegrate his body using his Hamon energy, but not before warning Josephu of the pillar man that will soon resurrect from his 2,000 year slumber to destroy them all. Too bad he didn't also warn Josephu of the sucker punch he'd get from the female hostage for calling her ugly. How low the Joestar lineage has fallen. Meanwhile, in Mexico, we are reminded that we are in the midst of World War II, as Nazi General Rudolf von Stroheim rescues or kidnaps an injured speed waifu intending to learn more about the Pillar Man in order to advance Germany's technological might. Turns out his Aryan associates have transported the carving to their secret facility and are steadily feeding it with the blood of captured townsfolk to revive the mysterious muscular man from Mexico. Little do they know, another mysterious muscular man in the form of Joseph Ujostar is on his way to put a stop to their exploits. And little does he know that another, another mysterious muscular man is falling closely behind to put a stop to his exploits. I guess you could call it the beginning of a Mexican menage a trois. And now to our next segment of the show. Is that a music reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music? But guess what? There are no music references in this episode. Oh shit, really? No. I mean, the prominent um, introduction here is the introduction of von stroheim um, that's not a music reference but the character was named after eric von stroheim who was an austrian american actor i don't know what the relation uh, like what iraqi's preference was towards this actor in particular um, the wikipedia article for him says that he introduce more sophisticated plots and noir's sexual and psychological undercurrents into cinema so maybe there was a bit of an influence there but oh well,
0: yeah stroheim is psychological sounds about right for yeah. stroheim.
1: <laughs> but other than that yeah this isn't any sort of music reference um i feel like if you use like von halen that would have been kind of clever <laughs> but i think von stroheim exudes more of that you know sinister nazi um aesthetic that von stroheim is is seen here
0: and now it's time for the jojo meme rundown where we list each new jojo meme that appeared in this episode i have two um the i'll I'll go backwards in terms of order of importance (laughs) i guess you could call it the first actually comes from the the op it's caesar's elbow and that sounds weird
1: who's caesar i know
0: right you don't know who caesar is yet but you will but you know, I'll just I'll throw his name out there because I don't know what else to call him. Caesar is the blonde guy that you see, um, kind of sparring and and next to Joseph uh, quite often in this op for Bloody Stream. So Caesar has a really fucked up elbow um, in the behind the scenes footage for this op. If you, I think if you Google like. Jojo part two Caesar's elbow or like bloody stream Caesar's elbow you'll you'll find it on Google images but essentially I think what happened was when the animators were trying to um, you know manipulate the CGI in order to show that pose where um, Caesar kind of has his arm up in the air um, it's I don't know what part it's at. I think it's like right before they show um, this guy standing up on a rock. I won't spoil it. Mm-hmm. but I think if if uh, if you see the image, you'll you'll know immediately what part I'm talking about. But because they couldn't quite get the CGI model for Caesar to, like, bend his arm high enough they just decided to fuck up his elbow and like (laughs) extend it and give it a big ass loop but you don't see it in the actual op because it cuts off before the the end of his elbow so it's become a meme people have used it for uh, a number of different things but when i first saw it i was like ew what is that
1: (laughs) i just looked it up right now on google and so is this the actual cg rendering that that they use for the op or did someone try to reconstruct it and then this is what they thought um thought his arm would look like. To
0: my understanding this is the actual behind the scenes CG rendering. Like again okay. the, the animator couldn't get cuz the way his hand is it's like really fucking high up there but they couldn't get like his elbow to do that normally or his arm to do that normally or maybe they were just lazy. <laughs> so they bent the shit out of it and like made it all skinny and elongated and it just looks gross. <laughs> like it looks so weird in this picture. So again if you want to see it um, You could probably just, I googled Caesar Bloody Stream Elbow, and it was like the first and second images that popped up. Um, you can find it, I think, on knowyourmeme.com as well. So take a look at that. It's um, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just another example of the physics-defying poses that you see in JoJo's they're bizarre so, Adventure. Yeah,
0: they're so impossible that they yeah. have to like... Manipulate the CGI just to get them to work. Yeah, I think
1: this is probably like the second most known pose. I'm I know there's one in part three that I'm not gonna spoil right now, but yeah, this <laughs> this picture is this picture is wild.
0: <laughs> the other meme that is I think more well known and probably one of the best or um most common memes that you see from part two
1: my favorite i think
0: <laughs> is um joseph's Nigerundayo smokey um it's just him shouting at smokey to fucking run and the way he does it i mean in that scene the way he like yells and he's like pumping his arms and he just hightails it out of there and like smokey's like are you fucking serious right now <laughs> it just became a meme immediately so you'll you'll see that meme kind of splashed across like I don't know, some image of, like, some shit going down, and then they, they paste in Joseph saying, like, nigerundayo, like, <laughs> fucking run, get out of here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I love the the setup that Joseph puts together um, prior to him just hot-footing it out of there. Um, cause he, he builds it like he has this master plan to take down straight, so, and, you know, Smokey is just so excited about it. I think what's even better about this is there's a slight pause before he runs. (laughs) So it's like this almost comedic like silence until he hot foots it out of out of that cafe. But yeah. This was an unexpected thing for Joseph to do. I mean it's like
0: unexpected but expected at the same time for Joseph.
1: (laughs) But yeah, this is probably one of my most favorite memes of the entire series.
0: And as always, if we miss any memes from this episode, please, please, please let us know. We want to make sure we honor every single JoJo meme that we possibly can. So feel free to reach out to us either on social media or through our website. Let us know so we can properly acknowledge the memes. And with that said, let's dive into the actual episode. Right off the bat, I want to talk about the OP because mm-hmm. again, this OP fucking slaps. Um, I we shared before our lists of uh, like our our tops, our top things for JoJo, and one of those lists was our our top favorite um, OPs, and this is on my list. It's it's my either second or third favorite OP. Um, I kind of flip flop back and forth between this and the. Um, part 5 OP between my number 2 and my number 3. Mm-hmm. I know definitively that the part 4 OP is my number 1 favorite. The Bloody Stream is is really, really good. It's definitely up there. Um, and I think it's a perfect fit for Joseph's personality. Um, not only the song itself, but the color, colorful, bright um, animation that we get throughout this OP, it's just, it just screams Joseph, especially when you compare it to the part 1 OP. Um, which felt more intense and more, not regal, but
1: uh, I always say like it's uh, like an '80s anime rock epic. Yeah, of a song.
0: Yeah, much more epic, much more aligned to um, Jonathan's character and his story. This one is like total opposite, but perfect for Joseph.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, when I first heard the song, it was odd because you know, Part Two takes place during the 1940s, but then you have this very vibrant almost like psychedelic song that plays and obviously all the visuals and colors it's more reminiscent of like the 70s i feel um and i guess overall the this op sounds very james bondish i don't know if it's intentional right because it's i think it's probably almost like um an homage to you know joseph's british heritage so Something that sounds along the lines of like a James Bond opening, I think would all is kind of suitable for Joseph. Um, but yeah, you know, after kind of getting over the, I guess, almost paradox of this theme being with a a part that takes place during World War Two, it's it grows on you. Um, and I think I don't know if I rank this on my top three, but this was probably one of my top themes in JoJo for, for a long time until... heard the other themes and the other parts
0: i love that they use manga images in the op too like they're they're colorized versions of them um i think it's like probably in the middle of the op where they they flash manga images of a lot of the characters which we can't really talk about because a lot of them haven't been introduced yet but i just I i really appreciate that i think that's another um key thing that david productions has done with these OPs so far is again making sure that they add manga panels or manga imagery to call back to you know the source material um so i i really appreciated that and again it's weird that it's a cgi opening yeah but i think it's done very very well like at first like the very first time i watched it i was like i don't know how i feel about this but there's just so much going on on screen that it kind of draws you away from the fact that it's cgi um and it's fun it's just a fun watch i really enjoy
1: it mm-hmm. but yeah i was kind of surprised how spoiler heavy i mean i I think every, almost every anime OP is always spoiler heavy, Um, but this one has like a lot of characters and there are even subtle plots that you can kind of um, see within this OP. Obviously you're not going to see it from the get-go because you don't know any of these characters or, or what's going on, but you know as you progress through the episodes of this part you'll see how much this op spoils everything
0: yeah so like every other anime op watch it intently to appreciate it but don't watch it too intently where you're gonna like decipher what they're trying to tell you about the story yeah so right off the bat, this episode drops us back into the fight between Joseph and Straitso. And this whole fight I found to be very interesting for a couple of different reasons. Like it's it's a very different... So Joseph is still fighting a vampire, right? But it's a very different fight than what um, we've experienced with Jonathan and Dio. Um, mostly because Straitso... I don't know, like something about him, he's very like... Um, straightforward in his approach to getting rid of Joseph. Like, he's just honest and open the entire time. Like, even to the point where he tells him, I'm going to use my liquid eye beams to kill you just the way Dio did with your grandfather, Jonathan. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you may not want to show all of your cards if you're trying to kill Joseph. Um, but I think it just shows that Dio's Dio's um, approach was very backhanded. He loved to trick Jonathan all the time. Um, but here, was so like, no, I'm just going to be... Straight with you, no pun intended, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and tell you how it is. And he acknowledges that you know Joseph, if left unchecked, would become a very formidable foe for him. Um, and I don't know. It just it's interesting to see right off the bat that he acknowledges the potential that Joseph has purely because he's a Joe star.
1: And I think the other stark contrast here is again with the feuds or battles between Jonathan and Dio. They were always very regal in nature. Um, here with the fight between Joseph and Straitso, it's it's very much like a street fight, and I think this kind of harkens back to something we said in the previous episode about you know Joseph relies more on his street smarts when it comes to to Hamon, um, and that's that's very clear here because it's the way he fights Straitso is also just very unorthodox. Where you know, like you said, Straitso is very blunt in his approach. Um, to assaulting Joseph and then Joseph just uses all of these like magic tricks basically Um, and kind of uh, one-sided one-sided tricks to take down straight so and you know thinking about it more like there are so many plot holes with how Joseph fights a straight so like the first thing is how did he know to get straight so to look into a mirror and where was this mirror in the first place yeah <laughs> and I, I get it because you know maybe like uh, straight so didn't realize it was a mirror because vampires don't have reflections but still <laughs> that's... well
0: then it, yeah i guess because then he wouldn't have seen himself that's a good yeah. point he would have seen himself like in front of of joseph mm-hmm.
1: and the other thing is with all of those grenades that joseph managed to attach to his scarf like when when did he have the time to do any of that? But you know, this is this is a Jojo episode and you always just answer it with one thing, Iraqi forgot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I love how Straitso tells him that his Hamon won't work on him because of the scarf that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um so instead of trying to remove it from him or take it off of him, Joseph decides to detonate it along with Straitso <laughs> himself using several grenades, and I'm like where did joseph get these grenades like first of all how did he get that tommy gun mm-hmm. and second of all how did he get the fucking grenades like what and <laughs> who, also who he... results to grenades to get rid of a scar yeah
1: and also he meticulously strung them together so that he would pull the pins all at the same time right yeah like how <laughs> did he have the time to do that
0: no fucking idea <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like is that you like you're just too enamored with what's going on to, to care about the plot point. So
0: But you bring up a good point that this is very much a street smarts type of fight. And and I think at one point Joseph acknowledges like straight so you've been in Tibet too long, um, or like in the mountains too long to kind of understand like how fights work out here in out here in New York. Um, and I think too, like with um with Joseph like he only uses Hamon once in this first half of the fight because the second half is after they run away from the cafe right so the mm-hmm. first half of this fight he only uses Hamon once and it's not even his go-to method it's after he uses the Tommy gun after you know um he tries to like dodge his liquid eye beams and like there's all these other things that he try- he tries first before he actually resorts to Hamon, despite knowing that Hamon is the key to destroying vampires so it's just like kind of a weird decision on on joseph's part but mm-hmm. hey at least he tried it even though it didn't work because of that damn scar <laughs> yeah but um i do want to call out what Straitso says at the beginning of the fight again kind of um juxtaposing him against Dio is that the right use of that that word Mm -hmm. um so Straito says and he kind of is cocky when he's like talking down about Dio he says that Dio played with his powers to see how far he could go and ultimately opened him up opened himself up to attack from Jonathan um versus Straito, which again he's taking that straightforward approach no no pun intended Um, which is saying, I have a goal in mind. I'm not going to fuck around here like Dio did. I'm just going to get rid of you by any means possible. Um, And ultimately, it's kind of hard to tell, like, what Straitso's goal is with becoming a vampire because he's probably been a vampire for a little bit now, and I don't think he's infected anybody else or turned anybody else. I think his goal just really is to stay young,
1: right? Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. Like, he didn't intend to infect anyone surrounding him. Like the only reason he's fighting Joseph is because he knows Joseph is the only person that can ultimately take him down.
0: Yeah. But does he actually pose a threat? Like my the whole mm. time I'm watching this episode and this this arc with straight so I'm thinking Okay, yeah, he is fucking crazy because he wanted to become a vampire, but it seems like his goal to becoming a vampire was just to beat old age, was just to be young again. He never gave off any intent of wanting to like rule the world like Dio did or, you know, make other people vampires or zombies or whatever. He just wanted to be young. So theoretically, like joseph and speedwagon could have just left him alone to be young like he would have to you know lived in the darkness all the time he couldn't enjoy the sunlight but if that's his mm-hmm. own choice and he's not going to hurt anyone why try to kill him and then by that same logic why would straight Stone need to kill joseph right because if they can come to the agreement that he can just be young as long as he doesn't hurt anybody like would joseph really have posed a threat
1: i guess not but you know, you'd you need an antagonist to, <laughs> to, to fill this first half.
0: And I mean, he did, you know, kill all those men and try to kill Speedwagon. So mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's where the fuel to this fire actually comes from. Like he, the fact that he did
1: that. So are you trying to say that Straight So just wants to live a quiet life? Ooh,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, part four reference. <laughs>
1: Interesting.
0: Well, <laughs> honestly, I think he did. I think he just wanted to be young, but. He was so scared of being destroyed by Joseph that he let that fear overcome him and decided to attack him when he could have just left him alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> also, I noticed that he said, and I, I didn't pick this up like the first couple times I watched this, um watched part two, but this time around, I realized that after he thinks that he got rid of Joseph. He says that his next goal is to get rid of Edina too. And I'm like, what threat does Edina pose to you? She doesn't hmm. know how to use Hamon. Like the lady is like how old now? <laughs> she can barely get around <laughs> New York, let alone fight a vampire. Like what is why do you have to kill her?
1: She's just guilty by association. <laughs> She's
0: not even a Joe star. Like she is by marriage, but not by blood. So I'm like, what the fuck? Leave Edina alone. <laughs> so after the fight goes down, or at least the first half of this fight, um, we we get the, uh, as we talked about before, the memeable moment of Joseph saying, Nigarundayo Smokey," And he fucking retreats, which I think we acknowledge already is actually pretty strategic on his part um, because he wants Straitso to follow him. He wants to lead him away from the crowd and other civilians. And there's a couple of instances like this throughout this episode in particular, where um, at first you see Joseph as kind of this opposite of Jonathan and um you know definitely not a gentleman type of person but then when you learn his true intentions he actually does have that gentleman side to him kind of shining through does that make sense
1: yeah again his his approaches are unorthodox but there's always a reason behind what he's doing as aloof as they can be to like an outside uh, outside perspective
0: like, the first instance I, I noted here um, was at the very beginning of the episode after he shoots... Um straight up with a tommy gun people are panicking right and there's these two ladies in the cafe who are just standing there screaming and he's like shut up i can't hear what's going on and honestly he was totally justified in telling them to shut up and get out of there
1: you're, because... you're missing i'll stick my tongue in your mouth to make you <laughs> shut up
0: <laughs> well hang on i'll i'll get to that part too <laughs> but on this on uh, high level he's right to tell them to get the fuck out of there not only because you know for for their own safety but also because like who stands there after the entire cafe cafe gets blown to shreds with a tommy gun who stands there screaming instead of leaving and getting away from from the scene of the crime?
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: yes, he's trying to get the ladies out of there, I'm sure, to keep them safe. But his approach is, like you said, by telling them if they don't get out of there, he'll shove his tongue down their throat. So again, on the surface, it's not a gentleman move, but really his intentions are gentlemanly.
1: But Jonathan's still rolling in his <laughs> grave.
0: Um, and there's more that happened a little bit later, so I'll call those out when we get to, to those parts, but... Um, but yeah, jo- Joseph is just, he likes to do things his own way. Like at the end of the day, what what his outcomes are still good. He just, you know, he wants to be himself.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And after Straightzo, I guess, repairs himself, I just have a random thing I noted here. Why does the narrator tell us those random facts about Straightzo? Like how he can crush with a certain amount of pressure or jump with a certain height?
1: Yeah, that was kind of weird. Like it, it, it was out of place. And I don't know if it had ever if this show had ever done it previously. Um it almost felt like, you know, reading Pokemon stats yeah. for Straitso. <laughs> I think it it's meant to just highlight how strong he is, um, and coupled with the fact that he that Straight is still very much an expert in Hamon. but yeah, this was a weird non sequitur.
0: Well, even if it's meant to show us how strong he is, like why wouldn't you have given us these kinds of stats like in part one when they first introduced the concept of vampires and then on top of that you you give us these stats but then straight dies at the halfway through the episode anyway he doesn't even make it to the end of the episode he dies halfway through the episode yeah I have,
1: I have no idea
0: again it's just jojo logic you just gotta accept it sometimes <laughs> kind of like how straight is now running around new york fucking butt-ass naked and at least at the very least clothing logic is working in this episode because unlike dio who got sliced in half in what episode eight, eight or nine yeah um and then when he put his body back together his clothes also somehow fused back together again here straight doesn't have any clothes because they got blown off of his body so yes he is still naked and joseph is fighting him with his dick technically hanging out the entire time.
1: Yeah, so I guess there's consistency in clothing logic, but not much else in this episode.
0: <laughs> so when we get to the part 2 of this Straitso and Joseph fight, um we get another instance of Joseph again not acting gentlemanly but having gentlemanly intentions. And that's with the woman that Trezo has held hostage. Joseph basically says, like, I don't even know that woman, idiot. Like, why would I want to protect an ugly woman like that? And that sounds terrible, right? But I think it's Joseph trying to call Straitso's bluff. And when Trezo actually hurts the girl by ripping out her molar, that's when Joseph actually gets like fucking pissed and his gentlemanly side kicks in um, to the point where he rips his whole jacket to shreds off of his body instead of just removing it, <laughs> like he just disintegrates the fucking jacket off of his chest.
1: I think it's there's something similar that happened in part one where I think Jonathan like his clothes just blew melted.
0: off of his body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it,
1: it's it's a continuation of that trope, I guess, for the Joe Star lineage. Um, but yeah, this Brooklyn Bridge standoff—it's all just a test of Joseph's character. Um, on Straits' part to see if he would save that woman. It reminded me of the Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. Because <laughs> that also, the climax of that also took place on Brooklyn Bridge. And involved oh, yeah, that's great. involved the protagonist having to save a woman.
0: Oh, yeah. So,
1: did JoJo indirectly inspire Sam Raimi Spider Man?
0: <laughs> Which came first, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, where are the cars on this bridge?
0: um jojo logic <laughs> that's I mean, our answer to everything Jojo yeah, it's, logic. it's
1: just the four the four characters here and there's no cars which sounds impossible during like a new york night yeah but, uh, jojo logic again plot hole but whatever
0: but to your earlier point um this is this fight also just kind of uh reinforces that joseph is incredibly resourceful and in, has all these street smarts tricks up his sleeve. Um, so you know, first it was the mirror and the Tommy gun and the grenades, and here he has shot glasses, which I don't think anyone would have thought. Oh, use shot glasses against high pressure water beam eye laser things. Mm-hmm. But he does it. But what's weird is he calls it hamon glass, and like, how is it hamon glass? Like, is that a thing? Have we heard of hamon glass before? Like, I know liquid can generate or propel hamon, but what the fuck is hamon glass?
1: Maybe it's just because, you know, I think you can infuse objects with Hamon, right? Maybe that's what he meant. But but does
0: he infuse it with Hamon? Because you don't actually see Hamon go through the glass, but he calls it Hamon glass. I don't know. I don't know. Also,
1: where did he just get these shot glasses (laughs) from, too?
0: Yeah, a lot of questions. Again, Jojo logic. We'll Mm -hmm. just leave it at that. It's Jojo logic.
1: I think the thing that you can obviously take away from this is I said previously, like, uh, Straitso is an expert in hamon and has studied it for I think he says like 4 thousand years but Wait, you... he
0: studied it for four thousand years how is he alive for four thousand years
1: I thought he said something there was a line in the episode that mentioned something about 4 thousand years oh maybe it's he has 4 thousand years of hamon knowledge um in his yeah in his I was brain. gonna say
0: I he's only been a vampire for a hot minute <laughs> yeah, how has he already been least... alive for four thousand yeah. years mea
1: culpa but again he's just brimming with hamon knowledge but as much as he knows a lot about Hamon, Joseph being a Joestar is still very much strong with the Hamon. And, you know, this felt like a, almost like a throwaway fight because Joseph is able to just knock straight out with a fierce Hamon fist. But again, you're, you're putting, you're putting a Jojo up against, um, a villain. So it's going to be pretty one-sided, I feel.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I really appreciated that. Just or sorry, straight so. Um, after that fight ends, tells Joseph that while he may appear the opposite, he's actually just like his grandfather Jonathan with an appetite for adventure and mystery. But because of that, you know, he's kind of sealed his fate with what's to come.
1: Um, Spoiler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's not. He, that's what he says. Straitzo no, I, says, I oh. talked. <laughs> I talked
1: about this last episode, like Jonathan. You know, met his demise. Are we going to see Joseph now get his demise? Because <laughs> you know, Straitso kind of spoils it for us here. But you know, we'll see.
0: <laughs> but I I love that you know, even the characters acknowledge like Joseph actually is very much a Joe Star at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Straightzo, being the straightforward, no pun intended, guy that he is, actually and heroes as you mentioned earlier, and uses hormone breathing to destroy his own body faster um
1: and there's another plot hole how can a vampire <laughs> still have hamon infused in its body
0: it can't <laughs> i mean without dying i guess <laughs> it's like
1: is he was he like suppressing it up until this very moment because i feel like you know well he,
0: i don't think he was suppressing it i just don't think he used hamon breathing since becoming a vampire so that he wouldn't kill himself
1: but doesn't he say it's still in his body
0: Well, I think you can, like, okay, from my understanding of Hamon logic, you can store Hamon energy in your body, but you have to actually start the process of Hamon breathing. So my guess is, like, his tank was probably at zero right around the time he became a vampire. So then he decided to fill his tank with Hamon in this moment so that he could just die faster okay which i don't know is that like an honorable death like some that it feels honorable but also like it doesn't because it's like why the fuck would you kill yourself faster
1: it's just a cop-out because he <laughs> knew like there was no escape um and you know he he fulfilled his his bucket list wish to to live young again
0: even though it was for like a hot fucking minute yeah <laughs> i think my favorite part though of this whole arc is at the very end joseph says out loud to you know the universe. You'll rest easy tonight, Granny. Like, talking about how he's once again protected his grandma, Erina, um, and that's, like, his whole thing is family. Family is everything for him. Um, He only has very limited family, and he will do whatever it takes to keep them safe. So the fact that he's fighting this vampire, and there could be a million things going through his head, and, like, Speedwagon is seemingly dead at this point, the first thing he thinks about and kind of what is his motivation for defeating Straightzo is, of course getting revenge for Speedwagon, but i think more importantly keeping his grandma safe
1: mm-hmm. i'm thinking about it more Is one last thing that strachel mentions before he he kills himself is he mentions the the pillar man um and he kind of plays it up to joseph as this guy is the true meaning of like biological evolution and reaching like peak human performance and immortality Peak performance yeah <laughs> okay. i knew so i knew you were going to mention that and i know we were talking about like what is Straitso's motivation to to even utilize the power of the stone mask and it's most likely because he wanted to to live young again but i think also the threat of this pillar man like existing is another reason like why he chose not to to live anymore in the world because you know you don't know what that pillar man is capable of or whether they will you know go on a quest for like world domination
0: yeah it's a good point he was probably like yeah i'm out like (laughs) 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 bye (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: um and this was an interesting concept too because it reminds me of like assassin's creed lore where there are these beings that existed long before like men um who have these sort of mystical powers um so we'll We'll see further down the line what this Pillar Man's significance is going to be.
0: Then we move into the second arc of this episode, um, and we're immediately introduced to Stroheim, who is fucking crazy.
1: Yeah, and of all the characters that you meet in the show, the one that you have, have least suspected is someone who is part of the Nazis. <laughs> but I, I guess it makes sense because you know, this is 1940, the 1940s, and world is in the midst of world war Two, but yeah i was not expecting that at all
0: that is kind of random you go from like vampires um and masks and all of a sudden they're like oh by the way there's nazis here too <laughs> like oh okay the show has everything apparently <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: although i do love the enthusiasm with which stroheim's voice actor portrays this character's like fervent nationalism and kind of like his belief in German technological superiority to the point where like you can hear his voice crack um with how much he he loves his his Nazi ideals, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to say of all I mean, thinking about all of JoJo um that we've gotten so far in anime, I have to agree I think Stroheim's voice actor is probably one of the ones that pushes himself the hardest like Mm -hmm. he has an impressive impressive performance as stroheim just because of the sheer like screaming and excitement behind stroheim's voice and you only get a taste of it in this episode like it isn't it's insane and and you know we'll talk about that more as um as part two progresses not to you know spoil anything about stroheim but um yeah this is one of the i think one of the best performances given by a voice actor in jojo Mm -hmm.
1: and at the same time he has that ability to show the sadistic side of Stroheim and we get a first glimpse of that when i think that um, female servant is shaving his face and she accidentally cuts him and he kind of like semi tortures her or harasses her by holding Definitely it. tortures her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> harasses her. Oh, yeah, by holding the knife under something. and it, it's it's just a very sinister thing and it's you know it's something that's straight out of like any kind of war movie. That depicts, you know, the Nazis. Obviously, the Nazis were were terrible people, but um, that kind of trope of the sadistic villain, general,
0: like a little off their rocker. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I love that we also um, get Speedwagon back. Best waifu Speedwagon oh, lives. Yeah. Like you, you can't Thank get rid of him, people. <laughs> He's here to stay. Like he told Jonathan, like you can't get rid of me. I'm I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he is still alive. And unfortunately, um, being held captive by the Nazis. And when we get that that meeting between Stroheim and Speedwagon, the only note I have here is I'm like, what the fuck is Stroheim doing in this <laughs> hospital room? He's standing there spraying bugs with a spray can, like a you know a, a can of bug spray, I assume. And then he does this like ridiculous screaming cough thing. And then at the end of the conversation, he gargles and spits in the sink for some reason. I'm like, why is any of this happening? <laughs> like I get the conversation supposed to be between Stroheim and Speedwagon where Stroheim is trying to get information out of Speedwagon and kind of, you know, flexing that they've got the upper hand. But then he's doing all this other shit. And I'm like, what is going on?
1: Yeah, I think he's just the germaphobe. <laughs> just has like very high hygienic standards yeah um, the guy's crazy dude yeah but i get like again another props to the voice actor for that fantastic cough which it doesn't even <laughs> sound like a like a human cough it's more like ah! can
0: you even like can you even say that pretty like readily in in any sort of voice acting work an amazing cough Props to the voice actor for an epic <laughs> cough, a wonderful cough performance. Like that's crazy. Yeah,
1: no, it's a very JoJo esque uh, sound effect. So he he nailed it perfectly.
0: This episode does end kind of abruptly. Um, once we, I guess, get the implication that they're feeding the Pillar Man blood, blood from those poor people who are held captive. Um, yeah, but that it was, was fucked. It was one of the good cliffhangers, I would say, or one of those good types of cliffhangers. Um, because it, it's still kind of rounded things out, right? Like we, we got closure on like these two arcs, um, but it's like leading us into what's going to happen in the next episode, which is, you know, whatever's going on with, with the pillar man at this point. Mm-hmm. So I always hate cliffhangers, but these types, I'm like, I can muster through a little bit more just because like, at least it, it tied things up nicely for this particular episode. So we'll see with the next episode, what happens with this blood and this pillar man and this German guy. <laughs>
1: and that other man.
0: <laughs> and then as far as the ending, I think you brought this up last episode, but I, I did want to call it again that they're still showing Jonathan in the, um, the ending credits. Um, and I did notice too, and I apologize if, if you called this out in our previous podcast episode, but I love the transition that they do for Speedwagon. They show him young at first, and then they kind of fade into old Speedwagon. And I'm like, that's great. They're just—I love that they don't just completely drop part one from the face of the universe. They are the face of the universe, the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. They actually do try to keep those tie-ins to part one. Um, granted, they both happen in the same season, but also like it is kind of a, a thing in JoJo to kind of continually call back to you know things that have happened in the past and have those past events play very heavily into future events.
1: Yeah, I think I did bring this up in the last episode. Well, then I am bringing it up again. <laughs> but no, I, again, it's, it's nice because I think, you know, it, it's kind of odd that they they squished two parts into one season together. But like these part one and part two just go so very much hand in hand that it only makes sense to show that continuity um, with, you know, the change in Speedwagon's appearance in the credits. And speaking of credits, that brings us to our final thoughts for part two, episode two, The Game Master. So what did you think overall about this throwaway episode?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like this episode a lot. Uh, it gave us some of the best memes that we we have out of JoJo. Um, I think, yes, yeah, straight so, like that whole arc was kind of throwaway, but the importance I came out of that is that Joseph now knows that there's something lying ahead for him. Like his his destiny is sealed, as Strazo, mm. you know, basically flat out told him. Um, and we get more in, we get more insight into Joseph's fighting abilities and how he's able to overcome these very very odd and and strange obstacles. Um, we also get the introduction of Stroheim and the reveal that Speedwagon is still alive. Um, and I think that this is a fantastic setup to pretty much everything else that's going to happen in part two. So I think this is a, a pretty important episode. I agree. Straightzo's whole thing is a throwaway, but this is pivotal in, in how it sets up the rest of this part. What about you?
1: Yeah, it's it's a pretty good episode, but like you said, it just mostly serves to put everything in place for the next episode, so it's not like anything too special and Again, Joseph kind of dis- just defeats straight so pretty easily, um, to the point where it feels again like a throwaway death. But I'm sure it's the Joe Star in him, and kind of along those lines, this episode, the first half is just a blatant reminder of you know how OP Joseph is, and despite his sort of Johnny Bravo like degeneracy, he still holds true to certain like virtues of the Joe Star lineage. Uh, Holy
0: shit. You're right. He yeah. does kind of seem like Johnny Bravo sometimes. <laughs> oh, my God, I'll never be able to like unsee that, though. But to be fair, Johnny Bravo is pretty fucking cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um The other thing, I mentioned this throughout this episode, there are a lot of plot holes, like the mirrors, the grenades, the shot glasses, but who fucking cares? It's it's JoJo. <laughs> you just accept it for what it is. And then I think one of my, I guess, semi-favorite parts of this is is you know this sudden addition of the nazis to the plot which just shows the lengths of absurdity to which this story is going to go and it makes me think like were there even nazis in mexico in like the real world history of world war ii
0: we'll have to look that up because i don't fucking know (laughs) i
1: did and i couldn't find anything obviously like mexico was against or was part of the allies so i don't think they wanted any association with the nazis but Again, that's what makes the bizarre in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure so significant.
0: And the best part is, this is not even as bizarre as this show will get.
1: Oh, no, it's not.
0: <laughs> so if you're a first-time watcher, get ready. Just get ready all the time. We're going to say that like, multiple times as we make our way through each part. Like Just get ready for the next part because it's going to be even better. <laughs> yeah,
1: it just gets better from here. Or worse?
0: <laughs> no, better, damn it. It's JoJo. <laughs> And that wraps up episode 11 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weep, everyone.
1: To be continued.